Welcome, everybody, to week two of Step by Step, this uh, message series in which we are exploring choices that change everything. You know, I think most of us know that the choices we make in life have a huge impact, not only in the direction of our life, but in the quality of our life as well. I think what it is sometimes easy to forget is how true that is when it comes to our faith journey. That it's not just a single decision to believe in Jesus, but it's hundreds, maybe thousands of decisions daily to either follow him or not, right? To either go where he's leading or to go where I want to go. And one of the places that we see this probably most clearly in the Bible is in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. It's Deuteronomy chapter 30. God says to us, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and, and this is the part I want you to see, and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. Do you see that connection between our choices and the depth of our faith? He's not just saying choose life or death, blessings or curses. Yes, he's saying we have to make that choice, but he's also saying every day we have to make choices to love him, to listen to him, and to hold fast to him. And that's really what our faith is all about. And so every day, I make lots of decisions to either love God or love myself. Every day I make decisions of whether or not I'm gonna listen to his voice or to the voices in the culture around me. Every day I make decisions whether I'm going to hold fast to him when the storms hit or am I gonna try to hold on to the temporary things of this world. Step by step, choice by choice, We are developing our faith. And so last week, we kicked off this series by looking at one of the first choices we have to make to develop a deeper faith, and that is to choose to own my faith, to take responsibility for, to take ownership of my faith. Because the depth of my faith is going to be directly proportional to the level at which I am willing to take ownership of my faith journey. Now today we're gonna look at another critical choice we need to make in our faith journey, and that is to choose to deal with the drifting that's inevitably going to happen. Now now when I say drifting, I'm not talking about using the emergency brake in your car to go sliding around a corner at a high rate of speed and allowing your back end to slide around. I'm talking about this tendency that we all have to get off course, to lose direction, to lose sight of where we're going. 
Now, you know, most of us, when we make that initial decision to trust Christ, we, we have a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of motivation about living for him, but over time, we get distracted. We lose motivation. We find other things that pull our interest away, and before we know it, we're drifting. Every journey in your life has the potential for drifting. And the longer a journey is, the greater that potential is. And since our faith journey is a lifelong journey, there is always a potential to drift. We all drift in our faith. This is not a message just for some of us. This is a message for all of us. In fact, look what the Bible says in Hebrews 2.1. It says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Isn't it interesting that the assumption is when you drift, it's away and not towards, right? We we don't just unintentionally drift forward. We always drift backwards. You're not going to unintentionally drift to a closer relationship with Jesus, right? You're not going to wake up, you know, a month or a year down the road and go, wow, how did I get so close to Jesus? How did my faith get so strong? No, we always drift away. It's like a relationship. Let's take if you're married, your, your relationship with your spouse. If you stop paying attention to that relationship, if you stop being intentional about growing in intimacy in that relationship, you're not going to drift together. You're going to drift apart. And since our faith is based on our relationship with Jesus, when we're unintentional, when we stop paying attention, we're going to drift away from him. I think of our faith journey as like, walking up the down escalator. You, you ever done that? Walked up the down escalator? I remember when I was a kid, my mom would make me go shopping with her to the mall and she'd be shopping. I'd be bored. So to entertain myself, I'd walk up the down escalator. And it's, you can do it. It's not terribly hard. But the one thing you have to know is that the minute you stop walking, you're going to be headed down. You're going to be moving backwards. It's like paddling a canoe upstream. As long as you're paddling, you can move upstream. But the minute you stop paddling, you're going to drift backwards. And that same thing is true in our faith journey. Because see, this world we live in, the current is moving away from God, not towards him. My sin nature is always going to move me away from God not towards him. And so I must be intentional or I will drift. So how do you deal with drifting? Well, I think the first thing you have to do is just recognize the reality of it. To recognize that all of us have the potential to drift in our relationship with Jesus, right? You're never gonna get to some level of spiritual maturity where you have arrived. You're never gonna get to the place where you can go, okay, I can take a little break. You know, I, I, can, I can take a little rest. I don't need to work on my relationship with Jesus because the minute you do that, you're going to start drifting. I mean, you see this in all of the heroes of the faith in the Bible. Take David, for example. We talked about David last week. 
this guy who was, had a heart after God, right? And at the pinnacle of David's life and his faith, he makes one small decision that this spring he's not gonna go away with the army as he is supposed to do as a king. He's gonna take a little break. And because he's not where he's supposed to be, he ends up seeing something he wasn't supposed to see, a a woman bathing on a roof. And the next thing you know, he's reached out to her. The next thing he knows, he's had an affair, she's pregnant, and he's having to commit murder to cover the whole thing up. That's drifting. Or, Or Peter in the New Testament right? Jesus tells all 12 of his disciples that you're going to scatter. They're going to strike the shepherd and the sheep are going to scatter. And Peter's like, not me, Lord. These other punks may run, but I am with you. I'm I'm never going to leave you. Eight hours later, what's Peter doing? Sitting by a fire in a courtyard, denying that he even knows Jesus. We all drift. It's a potential and a reality for all of us. But not only do we need to recognize the reality of drifting, we also need to choose to move forward. We got to choose to keep walking. We have to make choices. And that's what I want to focus on today. I want to really look at three choices that can keep me from drifting. Three choices, three things I can build into my life that can reduce the possibility of me drifting in my faith. So let's jump in. Number one, the first choice is to choose to look to God's love for comfort. To look to God's love for my comfort. We all need comfort because this life we live is, is difficult. Life is painful, and in that pain, in that struggle, we seek out things to comfort us. Sometimes we, we seek comfort in things that are seemingly good. Maybe, maybe we seek comfort in food or, or entertainment or, or another person who can come alongside and comfort us. Sometimes we seek comfort in things that are destructive, that are unhealthy, like drugs or alcohol or, or pornography. But what we need to realize is that all of those things, good or bad, are always just temporary relief. They only provide temporary comfort. But God's love is forever, and it always comforts. In fact, look what the Bible says, Psalm 119, 76. To God, it says, now let your unfailing love comfort me, just as you have promised me your servant. God's love is never going to be temporary. It's never gonna leave you, and it's always going to comfort you. Like David, the guy who wrote these, he's got some street cred when he says this. He's had this experience because he sought comfort in the arms of a woman who was not his wife, and he saw the destruction that it brought. Yes, it may have brought him some temporary comfort, but it ended up running his life off the rails. And so when he says God's love never fails to comfort, he knows what he's talking about. But, But here's the thing. It's easy for us to talk about the comfort of God's love here, sitting here today, The problem is it's hard to seek out comfort from God's love 
or in God's love because the things of this world that comfort us are so real. They're so tangible, right? That, that Krispy Kreme donut, that comfort food is so tangible. I can taste it, I can experience it. That other person who can just put their arm around me and say the right thing to me, that's so tangible. But God's love is sometimes just nebulous. Sometimes it doesn't seem real or sometimes it's hard to feel. So how do you deal with that? Well, I think it begins by recognizing that not only does God's love provide us comfort, but that God is the source of all comfort in our lives. In fact, look what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 1, 3. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. What does that mean? It means those good things in this life that are comforting to us, that food, that person, that great book or movie or entertainment or whatever it is, those good things that comfort us come from God. They are an expression of God's love. The reason you enjoy food is because God gave you taste buds. It's an expression of his love. He didn't have to. Everything could taste the same for our nutrition. But yet in his love, he wanted us to experience that. That's an expression of his comfort. Or you know, when you, you seek comfort out in nature, you know, you've had a stressful week or a stressful day and you, you get out in some beautiful place and you just feel the comfort of all that beauty around you. Why do you think you can enjoy that beauty? Because God created you, allowed you to see color and depth and to feel and to hear those peaceful sounds. All of those things, all of those good, healthy things are expressions of God's comfort. What I'm saying is when you're hurting, when you're in need of comfort, you don't just have to take your Bible and go hiding in a prayer closet and just read verses about God's love. I mean, that's a good thing, but you don't have to just do that. You can also find God's comfort and recognize his love in the good things around you. That's why the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. So, so my question is, where are you seeking comfort? What are you looking to to provide you comfort? I would say over these last five months, every one of us has had a great opportunity because of this pandemic to take an honest look at our lives, at where we really are. And if you're like me, you've probably discovered some places where you've been looking for comfort in some temporary things of this world. And if that's you, I think God maybe brought us here today to just remind us that we can seek comfort in his unfailing love. And when we do, as we do, it keeps us from drifting. The, the second choice that can keep us from drifting is to look to God's word for my strength. I can look to God's word for my strength. 
See, not only do we need comfort for the difficult things we've been through, we need strength for the difficult things we are heading to. And so if my spiritual growth is an uphill journey, that means it's going to take strength. It's gonna take strength to keep walking up that down escalator. It's gonna take strength to keep paddling upstream. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 119, 28, when my soul is weary with sorrow, strengthen me according to your word. How does God's word give you strength? Well, one of the ways is it gives you the promises that God has made to you. I mean, we just spent several weeks in a series called Anchor where we look at the promises of God and how we could anchor our lives to those promises no matter what's going on around us. Those promises give us strength. But there's a second way God's word can strengthen me and keep me from drifting. And that is God's word allows me to check in to see where I really am on my journey. The problem with drifting is when you're drifting, you don't always know that you're drifting. You don't always know that you're moving further away from God. You don't always know that you're making destructive choices in your life. But if you are evaluating your life by the truth of God's love, if you're evaluating where you are in life based on the truth of God's word, then it can keep you from drifting. It can get you back on the right course. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. See, God's word can keep you moving in the right direction, right? God's word is like a a GPS, right? It not only shows you the right path to take, but it lets you know when you get off that path, right? And when you get off that path, it just gives you the next right turn to make to get you back on the right path. And the thing I love about the GPS is when I get off the right path, it doesn't get mad at me. It doesn't, you know, give up on me. It just recalculates and tells me how to get back on the right path, right? Never once has my GPS, after I thought I knew more than it and started making my own turns going my own way, never once did the GPS say, you stupid idiot, where do you think you're going? Why do you think you know more than me? Never once have I made so many wrong turns that the GPS just shut off and said, I'm done with you. No, it just continues to guide me. And that's what God's word does. God doesn't give us these truths and principles to beat us over the head or fill us with shame when we've made the wrong turn. It exists to keep us on track, to keep us moving forward and give us the strength to keep walking this journey step by step. And as great as this GPS is, it's useless if we don't use it. See, that's why it's so important that I daily check in with God's word, right? It's interesting, just this past year, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of the Apollo moon landing. 
And that ship, as it left the earth and made that long journey to the moon, it was constantly checking in with mission control to make sure it was on the right course, to make sure it was moving in the right direction. And in fact, if you read the logbooks, you'll see that the one time in that whole journey, they had to make a course correction. That doesn't mean they just checked in one time. It was constantly checking in. And I have to constantly check in with God's word. That's why for me, it's been to try to develop this habit of spending time in God's word as I start each day in the morning and as I end each day in the evening. Now, I'm not talking about some long, drawn-out Bible study. I usually just look at a couple, one or two or three verses, and I just say, God, show me what I need to hear from you. Show me what I need to change, what I need to adjust. It's just checking in to make sure I'm still on course. And you know what most often God's word checks me on is my attitude, It often, especially over these last five months, it has revealed to me time and time again where my attitude is off course, where I'm being a complainer or where I'm feeling sorry or pity for myself or or I'm being impatient with other people. God's word gives us course correction and it gives us the strength we need. Listen, as a part of this step-by-step series, we're gonna spend several weeks really talking about practical ways to engage God's word in our life, and we're gonna be looking at next steps that all of us can take, but it's worthless if you don't look to it for your strength to keep us from drifting. We gotta look to God's love for our comfort. We gotta look to God's word for our strength. And then finally, the third decision is to look to God's will as my goal. To look to God's will as my goal. Because see, sometimes we drift, not because we're lazy, not because we're undisciplined. Sometimes we drift because we have our eyes on the wrong prize. You'll always move towards what you're focused on. Right? That's why when you're driving down the road, if you're looking over at a billboard or something going on, if you're looking over to the left, guess what? You're going to drift left. If you're looking at your phone when you're driving, you're going to drift all over the road. I know that because I've been behind you. Full confession time, I know it because I've done it myself. We move towards what we are focused on. And so if you want to stay on course with your spiritual growth, you have to focus on God's will for your life. Now, the Apostle Paul is a great example of this. Man, he accomplished a lot of stuff with his life, right? He he not only wrote two-thirds of the New Testament that we have today, but he also planted churches all across the known world. That's an incredible resume, but those goals were not Paul's goals for his life. Those goals were based on God's will for his life. In fact, you look at the first half of Paul's life, Paul's goals are all about Paul. 
They're all about gaining power and prestige and moving up the religious hierarchy in his community. But one day he encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus and it not only changes his life, it changes the goals he has for his life. In fact, look at what he writes in Philippians 3, 14. He says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize that is good for me. No, it's not what he says. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Whose goals are you living for? Yours or God's bigger goal, his greater goal? Now listen, hear me. There is nothing wrong with having goals for your life. You should have goals for your life. You need to set goals for your career, for your family, for your finances. But you need to make sure that those goals align with God's greater goal for you. That your goals align with his purpose and his plan. And here's the cool thing about aligning your life goals with his will is that you win even if you lose. Maybe you set a goal to start a new business and you worked hard at it. You did all the right things, but it tanked, it failed, and you're like, that's it. Life is over. I missed my goal. Or maybe you set a goal for your family to have a great, strong marriage, and then all of a sudden it falls apart and you're divorced, and you're like, that's it. My life is over. Never gonna reach my goals. No, with God, when you align your goals with his He can use them even if they seem like failures to you. Maybe you failed in a business, but God can use that to bring you alongside and encourage others who are starting a business or struggling in a business. Maybe you failed in your goal for your marriage and your family, but God can use you then to come alongside and comfort and encourage others who are walking that same path. When you align your life goals with God's will for your life, it's heads you win, tails you win. So how do you know if you're making God's will your life goal? Jesus makes it very simple for us. Notice what he says in Matthew 16, 24. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple, in other words, whoever wants their life goals to line up with my will, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. God's goals for your life are always going to be unselfish goals. They're always going to be sacrificial goals. They'll be about denying your own desires, There'll be difficult goals because you're gonna have to take up your cross. Those goals are going to have burdens with them. But those goals are gonna take you where Jesus is leading you. See, that's what it means to follow him, to live for him, to be his disciple, to step by step move where he leads. You know, throughout this pandemic, I have reminded you almost weekly to stay focused on Jesus. And the reason I've said that is not because it's some cool religious saying. I've said that because staying focused on Jesus 
is what keeps you from sinking into the storm around you. Like Peter walking on the water. He's fine as long as he's focused on Jesus, but when he takes his eyes off Jesus and sees the storm, he sinks. Gotta keep your eyes on Jesus because he's gonna lead you where you need to go to step-by-step lead you to the life he created you for, that full, abundant, meaningful, purposeful life that you were created for. I know that's what I want in my life, and because I love you, that's what I want for your life as well. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for every person who's joining us today, every person who is connecting with us, because God, I know you have a plan and a purpose for them. And I know some of us today feel like we've, we've drifted too far. We've been gone too long and we've, we've messed it all up and you could never use us. We could never have purpose and meaning in our life. We could never get back to a deep abiding faith. Oh, Father, thank you that with you, because of your grace and your mercy, we're only the next right turn from being restored on the path to following you. Lord, I I pray as we continue to move through not only this series, but as we move through all of the chaos going on around us, that we would make choices that would keep us from drifting. Father, we need your spirit's power to move in our life to keep us choosing to be intentional about our relationship with you, to be intentional about making choices that move us to a deeper faith in our journey with you. Step by step, Lord, we need you. In your name we pray. Amen.